Hi, welcome to Teach Me Biology, our revision podcast for A-level biology students. I'm Ria Corbett. And I'm Sarah Matthews. Hi, I'm Ria Corbett. I'm a science teacher with biology specialism and on Teach Me Biology, I am teaching my co-host and little sister, Sarah Matthews. She's Sarah Matthews this week, which is, <laughs> which is better. Um, biology A-level, topic by topic, to hopefully provide you, our lovely listeners, with an audio revision resource. I'm just going to have a different name every week now. <laughs> yes, we hope that you incorporate us into your revision and as a part of your learning journey, dip in and out, listen to the episodes on your week of topics or use us as your audio biology bible. Whatever you need us for, we're here. Okay, episode 39. Mm-hmm. Gas exchange in humans. Okay, so we're going to talk about all about our lungs and how we breathe in and out and things like that. So we're going to be looking at the growth structure of the human gas exchange system with all the sort of named parts that you need to know. The features of the alveoli that ensures that you've got the best gas exchange surface and the most efficient gas exchange. Um, we're going to talk about ventilation, so the breathing mechanism and basically just how we breathe in and out. Let's recap again the basic idea just before, because we didn't do that last week, but we'll do it this week. What is gas exchange? Carbon dioxide and oxygen. What about them? So oxygen goes in, carbon dioxide comes out. Yeah. But in the leaf, it's the other way around. Yeah, okay. So it's about taking oxygen out of the air and putting carbon dioxide into the air Mm -hmm. from the organism. What are the features of a good gas exchange system? Size to ratio. Yeah, so you want a large surface area to volume ratio. Um, veins. Well, you need a rich blood supply. Yeah. If there's if there's needed to be a mass transport system, then that has to be present, yeah. Gradient. There needs to be a concentration gradient so that oxygen will move in and carbon dioxide will move out. Good. It's diffusion pathway. What about it? There needs to be one. Yeah, but does it need to be really big or really small? Oh, there needs to be a really, really big diffusion pathway. <laughs> I mean, like you need to be lots of surface area, is what I mean. Yeah, there needs to be a large surface area, but oxygen shouldn't have to go very far oh, to get where okay. it needs to yeah. be. The Short diffusion, diffusion pathway. pathway. So usually the linings... <laughs> really, really, really big diffusion pathway. <laughs> usually the linings need to be really thin so that yes. oxygen and carbon dioxide don't have to Like on the alveoli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you already know about human gas exchange? It goes in the mouth yep. and the nose. Yep. Well, air does, yeah. And into the lungs. Yep. Diffusion in the lungs with the alveoli into the blood. And then we breathe out the carbon dioxide, which comes out. Yeah, good. Lungs are not hollow. (laughs) Yeah, you said that a few weeks ago. Definitely not, and we'll look at the picture now. Yeah, so like you said, air goes in your mouth and nose. So if we're talking about breathing in, the air goes goes down your trachea. So your trachea is your windpipe. It's surrounded by rings of cartilage which keeps it supported all the time because there are different times in your ventilation where the pressure is massive on the outside compared to the inside and that could collapse everything on the inside like pressure wise so it has to be supported with cartilage your trachea it divides into two bronchi one into each lung again the bronchi is supported by cartilage just not as much so each bronchi, one goes into each lung, then splits off into loads of bronchioles, which are further tubes. And at the end of each bronchiole, 
is the alveoli and that is the gas exchange surface. That is where oxygen moves into the blood and that is where carbon dioxide enters the lungs. There's three million alveoli per lung. That's a lot of alveoli. Yeah, so that's per lung. Mm. So Can you live with one lung? Yeah, of course you can, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And alveoli themselves, they're about 100 micrometres to 300 micrometres in width, so they're not very big at all. And remember, we've talked before about how generally... The, the more rolled something is or the more curved something is, you've the more, surface, the more area. surface area it has in a smaller space. Mm-hmm. So if you think about all those air sacs, their lining is very curved. There's loads of them in there. Okay, so you've got a massive surface area to volume ratio mm-hmm. in that lung. And you've got two of them. I've actually got it written down here. I've got, I wrote this down. Do you ever think about how it's pitch is... black in your body? Do I ever think about it? Yeah. Inside your body is pitch black. No, I don't ever think about that, but it is, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. There's nothing, there's no light in your body. I actually wrote this fact down about lungs. 70 metres squared is the surface area of one lung, which is the same as half a tennis court. Oh, OK. And that's one lung. So two lungs... It's a whole tennis court. It's a whole tennis court <laughs> of, oh. of surface area. Mm-hmm. inside that space there. So if you lost a lung, you'd lose half a tennis court. Yeah, of, of surface area. And obviously, when you ask, like, can you live? Yes, you can. You can live with one lung, but it would be more difficult. You would have restrictions on what you could do. You could only breathe on one side. Exactly. <laughs> but that would, <laughs> What I mean by that is you would affect your daily life. Like, you would find it really difficult to... You'd to, probably find it really hard... Like you couldn't run sleep, a marathon or... To sleep on the side easy. that you had the lung on. Because it might be like a bit restrictive, and you couldn't didn't have that one open lung, you might find it a bit more difficult to sleep on the lung side. I think anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment on that. I have no comment. No, I think that's true. On that. Well, if anyone has, if anyone out there's got one lung, let me know. Is it difficult to sleep on the one lung side? Is it a bit like <laughs> can't breathe? Right. So let's talk about ventilation. Mm-hmm. That's the changes that take place inside your chest that allow air to move in and air to move out. So mm-hmm. first of all, we're going to talk about inspiration, which is breathing in. Yeah, okay. What's the matter? Just inspiration. <laughs> I thought it was like inhaling. Yeah, but inspiration. Just sounds better. Yeah. Okay. I'm really inspired. <laughs> okay, so if you look at the diagram of the lungs that we've got there, we've talked about through most of those things, but we didn't mention the fact that you've got the ribs protecting your thoracic cavity which is basically your chest cavity thoracic they are able to move they are able to move outwards and upwards when you breathe in and then they are able to move downwards and inwards when you breathe out and they are able to do that by intercostal muscles so there's muscles in between each rib that allow the ribs to move up Mm. and down does that make sense yeah and out and in you've got internal intercostal muscles and external intercostal muscles and they are what we call antagonistic do you know what that means the bad guy what (laughs) and like that's the bad guy in the program right so you've you've got like yeah (laughs) i I think i get it like you've got a bad guy and then the good guy and they are like doing the opposite of each other yeah one's being good one's being bad yeah and that's just like intercostal muscles, <laughs> because when one contracts, the other relaxes, mm-hmm. and then when so one, the one relaxes, the other is one like contracts. The main character, the good guy, and then the antagonist is like Lex Luthor. 
<laughs> so when one contracts, the other relaxes. <laughs> Which isn't true of films, but yes, it is for intercostal muscles. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let me explain what happens when you breathe in. So when you breathe in, the external intercostal muscles contract and the internal intercostal muscles relax. And you do have to know which way round it is for breathing in and breathing out. Okay. Okay. And the way I remember is that it's the opposite one. And what I mean by opposite one, I mean inspiration in. It's the external intercostal muscles that are contracted. Okay. So when you go in, the external are tight. Are contracted. Okay. And then when you breathe out, it's expiration. And it's the internal intercostal muscles that are relaxed, okay. are contracted. Remember that. So when you breathe in, your external intercostal muscles contract and the internal ones relax. Mm-hmm. That allows your ribs to move upwards and outwards. At the same time, your diaphragm, which is a big sheet of muscle that separates your thorax from your abdomen, okay, from the front of your body to the back of your body, there is a big sheet of muscle and it separates your chest from your abdominal area. Mm. It's like a big elastic band. Yeah, it's just like a big elastic band. When you breathe in, that moves down. When you breathe in, it contracts. So it's contracting and it moves down. So if you think about that, the diaphragm's moved down, the ribs have moved out and up. There is more volume in your chest cavity. So the volume is bigger. There's more space. So what that does is it decreases the pressure in your lungs. So suddenly all the particles in there have got more room to move around and the pressure suddenly lowers and it lowers lower than the external pressure, the atmospheric pressure. The atmospheric pressure is much, much higher and air will move down a pressure gradient. So it moves from high pressure to low pressure. So air is forced into your lungs due to the decrease in pressure in your lungs. I thought we just breathed it in. But you don't. But you don't think in. about it. You are sucking. It's being, it's being pulled in, because you're trying to rectify the pressure decrease. <clears throat> yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you're ever asked about the mechanism of breathing in an exam question, you have to talk about the intercostal muscles, the ribs moving up and out, the diaphragm moving down, the volume increases, the pressure decreases. God, therefore, that's a lot. air moves in. So mm-hmm. you have to talk about those sorts of things. If it's more specific and it wants to know how the diaphragm does this or the intercostal muscles do that, you don't necessarily have to mention every single detail. Mm-hmm. But if it wants to know how inspiration happens, then you have to yeah. kind of hit all those factors. How inspiration happens. <laughs> Light bulb moment. <laughs> and then expiration, so breathing That's out. That's when someone dies. It's when you breathe out. It's when you expire. It's when you breathe out. Time of death, 4.20 expiration that is the actual Inspir- time oh yeah yeah i get it <laughs> can i yeah yeah so when you breathe out expiration what happens to the intercostal muscles which which ones are contracted so um when you're expiring the internal yeah well done so the internal intercostal muscles are contracted which means the externals are relaxed the ribs move in in and down down good and the diaphragm up. up again which means it's relaxed it's mm-hmm. gone back to its natural position okay sort of more domed shape so what's happened to the volume in the chest it's small smaller so what's happened to the pressure in the chest more more the pressure's increased 
because particles have got less space to move around suddenly. Mm-hmm. So the pressure is suddenly a yeah. lot higher. Higher than atmospheric pressure, which means air is forced out. But you've got to breathe in to get big again. But then you inspire. Mm-hmm. So it's this constant to and fro of that happening. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Again, if you were asked about breathing in, you would have to talk about those things. So the muscles, the ribs, the diaphragm, the volume, the pressure. And then um, if we just talk about the alveoli for a minute. So we talked about how there's three million per lung, given as a 70 metre squared surface area of actual area where oxygen is moving and carbon dioxide is moving across it in an exchange kind of way. Does that make sense? So when you breathe in air, it's not just oxygen that goes in your mouth and down your trachea and into your... It's all sorts. Into things. It's your, it's your whole, it's the whole air. It's all the nitrogen, argon, and all the different things that's in normal air. Mm. Obviously, it's only 21% oxygen, isn't it? But it's the oxygen that goes into the blood. What's important to remember are the features of the alveoli. So on your resource on teachmescience.co.uk, you have got the general labelled uh, thoracic cavity. So you've got everything labelled um, in the respiratory system. You've also got a diagram that shows you what happens when you breathe in and out. So I haven't really referred to that as we've been talking, but you have been looking at it and it is there if you need it. Also, there is a picture of one alveoli and it's kind of giving you those features that you need to know. Okay, Mm -hmm. so like say the lining of the alveoli is one cell thick. So it's a lining of one cell all the way around. Really thin for diffusion. Really, really short diffusion pathway. Well done. So you've got the epithelial lining of the alveoli. A bit of skin. Yes, very thin skin. And then you've got a blood capillary passing by. Passing by like a vein? It would be a capillary. A a very little vein, that is. No. (laughs) Even smaller than a vein. Yeah, so they are are blood vessels. For those who aren't aware, it goes the capillary vein artery. (laughs) Yes, in size. Well done, from smallest to biggest. Mm-hmm. So capillaries are what arteries break out into to go into the tissues. Mm-hmm. And then they come back together as veins at the end. I had an open vein but, the other day. Did you? Oh, you're... Yeah. You'll have to tell the story. I'll tell the story at the end. Yeah. So um, Almost died. Yeah. So the capillary has a lining the same. We call mm-hmm. that the endothelium. And that is also one cell thick. So oxygen going from the alveoli to go into the blood, red blood cells, it's only got to get across two very small linings. So it's a short diffusion pathway. The rich blood supply, so the constant supply of blood. Mm-hmm. So there's like a rich number of capillaries lining each alveoli, just like snaked around them all, all these capillaries. You've got the constant ventilation and constant blood flow. There is always, always a concentration gradient. So the blood vessel, the capillary, is constantly got blood flow moving away and past. So it's constantly bringing in deoxygenated blood. Do you know what that means? To get filled again with oxygen. Yeah, so yeah. no oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then as it passes by the alveoli, it fills up with oxygen, becomes oxygenated and is carried off to be replaced with deoxygenated all the time. And then also you're always ventilating, which means you're always breathing in more oxygen. You should always have a high oxygen concentration in your alveoli and a low in your blood all the time so that you've got that constant steep gradient and oxygen can constantly move across. And then you've got the opposite of that. So the deoxygenated blood coming in is full of... Carbon dioxide. Yeah, so carbon dioxide will be moving. <laughs> full of potential. <laughs> yeah. 
potential to fill with oxygen. <laughs> and it's got carbon dioxide coming in, ready to go into the alveoli, opposite movement to the oxygen, so mm-hmm. they can wave at each other on the way past. Because the capillary is, is, is coming in from tissues, well, it's coming from the heart, but mm-hmm. it's been at the tissues filling up with carbon dioxide that's used all the oxygen up in respiration. I mean, that's really what you'd want to be discussing, just that thin linings, the blood flow, the ventilation. The capillaries. The, the rich blood supply, uh, the large surface area. If we think about the root of air or oxygen, trachea, bronchi, then what? The, the little bronchis. Which are called? Little bronchis. Bronchiole. Yeah, bronchioles. So trachea, bronchi, bronchioles, then alveoli, over the alveoli epithelial, over the capillary endothelium, into the blood. Yeah? Right, okay. And the blood has red blood cells. Now, capillaries are so small that the red blood cells have to go through a single file and they're very squashed against the endothelium so that, again, as soon as the oxygen leaves the endothelium or passes over the endothelium, straight into a red blood cell because they're kind of squashed against it mm-hmm. as they go past. There's not a lot of other space, to be honest. And if there was a clot there, what would happen? Well, if there was a clot, then the blood flow wouldn't be able to happen. And you would die. Well, essentially, yes, eventually. Depending on where the clot is, if you've got a blood clot in your lung, that can be quite dangerous because you're blocking the amount of oxygen that you can take in from your lung. Mm-hmm. Right. Exam questions? Yeah. With this particular topic area, there are lots of questions. Lots of just content-based questions, lots of data questions. It was actually quite difficult to whittle it down. I was just deciding, should I use Which a graph? Which is why I've got 29 I... questions this week. Should I use a graph? <laughs> should I not use a graph? Yeah, so I've, but I have whittled it down to three questions, which was difficult. Mm-hmm. It was difficult. But I've got a two marker to start with, okay? Describe how oxygen in the air, in the alveoli, enters the blood in the capillaries. Diffusion. Right, so that's the first mark. And what does it have to cross to get into the blood? The epithelial. Exactly. That's done. Oh, okay. Yeah? So you've got one mark for diffusion and one mark for across the epithelium of the alveoli or capillary endothelium. Right, number two, another two marker. Describe two adaptations of the structure of alveoli for efficient gas exchange. Surface area. Very large surface area. There is only really one more because the question is specifically asking about the structure of the alveoli. So you've got large surface area which kind of goes for like any kind of shaping and that kind of thing. Okay. Thin? Exactly. Thin what? Lining. Yeah. So it's a thin walls, thin lining, one cell thick. Yeah. Epithelial, that sort of thing. Yeah talking about rich blood supply or vent constant ventilation or constant blood flow is nothing to do with the alveoli structure so they wouldn't have been valid answers right okay does that make sense because mm-hmm. the question was specifically asking about the actual structure right i've also now got your six marker okay okay it's really involved describe the gross structure of the human gas exchange system and how we breathe in and out. This is an essay in itself. It's not an essay. Well, it is a bit of an essay, but not like you'd think. Okay, yeah. so inspiration strikes. <laughs> Light bulb moment. <laughs> the oxygen goes in. It goes in the mouth. It goes down the trachea. Right. With all the... Um, this is a good start. Name the, name the structures. It goes down yeah. the trachea. Trachea. 
Yes, and the bronchies. And then what do the bronchi split into? Bronchioles. And then what's at the end of each bronchiole? Avioli. Right. That Ravio- that ravioli. in itself, alveoli. <laughs> ravioli. Mmm. <laughs> 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 Tasty pasta. Um, <laughs> that's already two marks. Because it says... That'll do na- me. Right, named structures. So you have to name trachea, bronchi, bronchioles, alveoli. And if you name what them... What about in... spelling mistakes? That'll be fine. Yes. If you name them in the correct order, that's a second mark. Okay. And you did. That is already the describe the growth structure of gas exchange system. So now you need to just just describe how we breathe in. We feel starved of oxygen. So we go. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, four marks. (laughs) Um, Try again. Is it, so the air pressure is less on the inside. So when we breathe in, the air pressure has to be decreased. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what causes that pressure decrease? That would be the intercostal muscles. <laughs> <laughs> the Jurassic muscles. Right. What happens with the which which muscles? Which intercostal muscles contract? External. So external intercostal muscles contract. What happens to the diaphragm? It when it's no oxygen it goes up. When we're breathing in, when it, it goes down, right, and the so lungs and the ribs can, go out, it contracts and moves down. Yeah, ribs are. Uh, so what's happening to the volume? Getting big. Right. So the volume's increasing, so the pressure decreases, lower than atmospheric. Mm-hmm. So that would give you your mark. So it's two marks for that general thing. Talk about the diaphragm contracting, and the external intercostal muscles contracting is a one mark. Volume increase, therefore pressure decrease, is the second mark there. And then you need to talk about breathing out. So the opposite of what we just okay. said. Okay, so then... So the, diaphragm... The diaphragm moves up. Moves up and relaxes. The intercostal muscles relax. Which one? The intercostal... External ones are big, are tight, and inter, external ones are relaxed. Yeah, so internal contract, the external... Thoras- the Jurassic relax. cavity reduces. Thoracic cavity volume reduces... And the lungs go down. Pressure. It goes down, up. Up. Higher than atmospheric, so air's forced out. Mm-hmm. That would be the six marks. Okay. So, so I said it's really involved. That is a massive essay of writing. You would have to write a lot. Yeah. That, that's the question where you're going, can I get some extra paper, please? Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Make sure you write the your name <laughs> and the question number. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. what everything you can think of <laughs> to do with breathing. Mm-hmm. Should we do the roundup? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to get your phone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we when we breathe in, air passes down the trachea and into one of the lungs via the bronchi. The bronchi is split into many bronchioles. At the end of the bronchioles are air sacs called alveoli. These alveoli are the gas exchange surface for us. The trachea is surrounded by cartilage to support it from collapsing under pressure. The mechanism of breathing in, or inspiration, involves air being forced into the lungs down a pressure gradient from outside to inside. The pressure in the thoracic cavity becomes lower than the atmospheric due to the large volume created by the diaphragm contracting and moving downwards and the ribs moving upwards and outwards uh, because the external intercostal muscles contract and the internal intercostal muscles relax. During expiration, the internal intercostal muscles contract 
and the external intercostal muscles relax. This moves the ribs downwards and inwards. The diaphragm relaxes and moves upwards. And both these things reduces the volume in the thoracic cavity, which increases the pressure above atmospheric pressure, which forces air out of the lungs, down a pressure gradient. To ensure efficient gas exchange, the alveoli has many adaptations. They create a large surface area for diffusion. They are surrounded by blood capillaries, so have a rich blood supply. The epithelium of the alveoli and the endothelium of the capillary is only one cell thick, so there is a short diffusion pathway for diffusion of oxygen and carbon dioxide. There is also constant ventilation and blood flow, carrying away oxygenated blood and bringing in deoxygenated blood, creating a concentration gradient for oxygen and carbon dioxide. The end. We've got any takeaways? Yeah. Um, I never knew that inspiration was breathing in. I didn't know that the alveoli, um, there's three million of them, and that lung surface area is um, a tennis court, mm-hmm. half a tennis court. Yeah, it's good facts. I didn't know that there was cartilage on the trachea. Mm. Yeah, there okay. are three takeaways. Okay. So, wider reading, because this is going to be April now, isn't it, when, we, when this comes out. What I would like to recommend for April is a website called sciencejournalforkids.org. <laughs> no. Now, what it is, is a website that has, I believe they say it is articles written for kids, but approved by scientists. And it is a fantastic wider reading because it's almost like science journal articles. So the way it's written is like there's an abstract, there's your method, there's your results, there's the discussion of those results, the data. So it's like a a question or a a topic area, and it actually writes it as if it's a proper scientific journal. If you were trying to read a proper scientific journal, it would be quite difficult at A-level even, because the terminology is very difficult, that kind of thing. So it's written for kids. If you go on that website and you filter it down to, because it's an American website, if you filter it down to upper school journals, so upper high school, there's about 80-odd articles that would be excellent wider reading for A-level biology. Mm-hmm. And they've got a lot of different topic areas, so medicine, medical and health, biodiversity, conservation, like so many different areas. So it's like specifically I was looking up to see, because we're doing gas exchange, particularly gas exchange in humans today, what would be good wider reading on that website for what we've just covered. And there is an uh, an article about asthma. There is an article about TB. These are both respiratory diseases that affect your ability to breathe and breathe in and out. So that would be excellent wider reading. There's an article about the synthetic proteins that are being used to help premature babies with respiratory problems. When babies are born premature, the biggest issues that they're going to have is with their lungs because the lungs are one of the last things to develop before they're born. So a premature baby born before their due date could have underdeveloped lungs. And these proteins are being used on premature babies to try and help those lungs come on as much as possible. And that would be another excellent wider reading opportunity. You could just literally go through each article and see if there's anything relevant, anything interesting. You could search for a keyword. Like I know a colleague was looking for one on antibiotics, so they just literally entered antibiotic and they got a really good article on antibiotics. 
I personally, it was this particular colleague that has told me about this website and straight away I'm using it on our podcast as a recommendation because I know it's really good and I will be using it as homework for my students mm-hmm. so I just wanted to get it out there for everybody and, it, and it's good because it has questions at the end so you can read the article and then you can kind of answer the questions at the end as a way of just making sure you understand what you've read mm-hmm. which I think is great so that's what I'm recommending for April so that's sciencejournalforkids.org if you'd like to contact us you can go to teachmescience.co.uk or you can drop us an email at teachmebiologycast at gmail.com we're on twitter that's at teachmebiocast on instagram at teach me biology cast that's it yeah that's it okay bye <laughs> you're leaving before the bell it's the bell hasn't gone but can we just leave a bit early for lunch no <laughs> <laughs> is that the bell yes that was the bell yes. um i need to know about your open vein yes i did say i was going to talk about it at the end so i will so sit back relax On Friday after work, I made an appointment to give blood. So I'm an O-negative donor. If you are also O-neg, you should go and give blood because you are what's known as a universal donor, which means everybody can have your blood. Well, you can only have O-neg blood. Everybody can have your blood, and that's really good because it's used in emergency situations when they don't know your blood type, so it's used the most out of all the bloods. But only a very small population, like 6 or something percent of the population, actually has O-negative blood. So if you are, definitely give blood. But my story... What a hero. (laughs) My story was this. I went to give blood. Give blood. Everything was fine. And after you give blood, I'm sure lots of you already know, you have to have, like, a food and a drink before you leave. Uh, Just that is, like, a nice treat because you get blood. Um, Also to help you to recover from the blood living. Just a treat. (laughs) A treat at the end. Now, usually, I'd like to say... Uh, before Corona, you were allowed to just take whatever you wanted. So I'd usually have a packet of crisps, a chocolate bar, a drink, right? Now they ask you what you want and they give it you and you can't be greedy. So I went up and I said, I'll have uh, the red drink because I didn't know what drinks they were. So I just pointed at the red one and said, I'll have the red drink and a Kit Kat. So the lady put the thing down. <laughs> anyway, so after you give blood, they put a little plaster and like a little rolled up piece of like gauze it's like rolled up into like a cylinder shape and they put that on your arm and uh, i looked down and there was a little bit of blood on it <laughs> and i thought i'll ignore that <laughs> <laughs> but that's never happened when i give blood before there was no blood visible blood on the on the plaster what do they what is a plaster called in other countries band-aid 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 and yeah. um, what's the song <laughs> um do they know it's christmas time when people say band-aid and they actually mean plaster what i think of band-aid like 20 or something band-aid the christmas song anyway so where was i oh yeah so there's a little bit of blood and i ignored it right (laughs) and then second time i looked down at it it was absolutely coated in red blood and filling up fast (laughs) like the plaster was i was like oh no oh crap oh no (laughs) And then it started like seeping out from under the plaster, like running down. So, so it was I, running down your arm. So I just went. So this lady was behind me who worked for the thing, and I was like, uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> I'm lady." And she just went, "Oh my god!" And she like grabbed like some gauze, and I was like, put my arm in the air, and she was holding it, and I already had my other hand was already covered in blood at this point because I tried to stop the seeping. And then it was going all over the food table. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. It's going on the food table. It's so unsanitary. <laughs> and then 
Meanwhile, there was God, these two. It's so selfish. There were these two During girls. a pandemic, you're just bleeding all over the place. Not selfish, apparently. Absolutely they said they said I was selfish. not selfish because I was giving more blood away. <laughs> I was there to give more than necessary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there was these two girls sitting opposite me that were just absolutely horrified, like holding like you know Kit Kat sideway to their mouths. Like, <gasps> <laughs> anyway, they, they said, thought they were going to just witness an expiration. Then <laughs> <laughs> they said that um, they were absolutely amazed I didn't get any blood on my clothes, but I moved my arm away anyway. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, this lady was having to like hold my arm in the air. <laughs> just put your and arm away. And then she was like, "Come with me." So she was like pulling me along by the arm towards this other chair in the back or in the corner, and I had to sit down. And then um, this other lady ran over, and she was like holding pressure on it, like I, it was like, like it was an artery or something. These people were taking it so seriously. They were holding the stuff on it. I just wanted to eat my Kit Kat. My mask would come off. I was like, "My mask! I'm so sorry, my mask come off." <laughs> I haven't got Corona, I promise. And then, uh, so this other lady ran over. Everyone's really how over. many ladies? People were really over just to make jokes. <laughs> Someone was like, "Really? It's hard enough getting one pint, but two. <laughs> and then walking away again. It must be irregular. People just got these jokes already set up. So was there a lot like people just trying to collect the blood? Into like no, so containers. this lady ran over and she was cleaning up my other so hand. So there was more blood. <laughs> Quick, get in here! <laughs> what are you own egg? <laughs> so this other lady was like cleaning up my other arm, my other hand, and then this other lady was like, holding the pressure on. And she was like, "We'll just do that. We'll wait for five minutes." So I waited five minutes. She took the bandage away and it was still bleeding. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, it's still bleeding." Mm-hmm. And then you waited another five minutes. She took the bandage away and it was still bleeding. At this point, I've got pins and needles in my hand. It's cold. It's like dead. <laughs> Like, God. Like, and then after 15 minutes she looked down and went I think it stopped and we both stared at it for a minute and it wasn't bleeding and like a tiny little bit and she said yeah I think it stopped and then she put a new bandage on it and that was it it was all done bloody hell yeah. and any particular reason why you nearly bled to death so I um, had some hip pain the previous day so I took some paracetamol and some ibuprofen and she said that ibuprofen is a blood thinner and that is probably why that happened but a day later I had some thin blood. But lately, I have been a bit bleedy. Like, I cut my leg last Friday, and it was took five days to stop bleeding. Yeah, so anyway, that's what happened. Yeah. Hero. Hero, guys. Yeah. A, a, a true hero. True hero. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. Should we go? Yeah. Um, my name is Hero. She is a hero. <laughs> Sarah Hero Matthews. Sarah Hero Matthews, yes. <laughs> And I'm Rhea, just normal person, Corbett. Mm-hmm. Nothing special. Nothing special. Mm-hmm. No, just me. This has been Teach Me Biology Cast. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>